Hi, this is Rob in Orlando, Florida. The reason I listen to Treks and Sci-Fi is because back on Star Date 8707.2, my wife and I tried our hands at being Starfleet commanders on the Starship Enterprise. I am Captain Rob Scalise, and I'm pleased to serve as your commander. I am Science Officer Tammy, reporting for duty. Just what we need, another Vulcan. Scotty, damage report. You like well to hit us, Captain. We're dead in the water. Greetings, Enterprise. I am Kral. Wants you, Captain Kirk. Wait, you're not Kirk? No, but I am the Captain. You? Captain? <laughs> For the whole story, go to YouTube and search on Orlando Rob Trek. Hello and welcome to Treks in Sci-Fi. Thanks, Rob, for that cool intro uh, from your experience, your experience at the Star Trek experience. I still got to make it out there someday, maybe this summer even, who knows. Got a good show for you. This will be podcast number 120 for May the 6th, 2007. It's a Sunday morning about 10 a.m. and we're going to cover a episode of Enterprise, uh, the first episode of the third season called The Zindi. Along with some other news, uh, my uh, kind of review and my impressions of Spider-Man 3, getting uh, a few bits of business out of the way before I make my trip to Taiwan. So stand by. Here we go. It's been a long road, getting from the podcast everyone this is rico of course and you're listening to treks and sci-fi welcome to any new listeners out there this is the star trek star wars sci-fi extravaganza of podcasts uh, we cover movies uh, old star trek episodes recent uh, sci-fi news and, and lots of other good things so uh, welcome to the show and for everyone else that's been tuning in for a long time always welcome back well, let's get some of the uh, business and news uh, uh, related to myself and the podcast in general uh, out of the way first uh, as I'm uh, planning this business trip. Uh, it looks like I got it got delayed a little bit by a couple of days. It looks like I won't be leaving until this Tuesday, which is uh, May the 8th, but I will be back on May 18th. And uh, like I had said previously, that weekend, uh, next weekend, the weekend of the May 12th, May 13th, at first I didn't think... Uh, I was going to be able to have any kind of a podcast or any kind of a release there, but somebody uh, from the forums, uh, I want to keep it kind of a surprise, has kind of stepped up to do sort of a, a really cool guest podcast. So look for that. I will uh, be releasing that uh, while I'm over uh, in Taiwan. I'll, I'll be able to contact or uh, connect up with the internet and uh, and get all that taken care of. I'm going to get it ready before I go, so I'll just have to kind of adjust and click a few things and you'll have a podcast next weekend uh it may come out at a little different time than sunday maybe saturday might be uh later sunday depending on when i get a chance to do it but uh sometime next weekend you will have a podcast a, a special one and i think you're really going to look you know enjoy it and uh, i think you should look forward to it because i really liked listening i've uh, heard the uh heard it already uh and it's really good 
Well, I hope everyone has enjoyed listening uh, to the last couple of podcasts, which were uh, primarily interview shows. Uh, the first one uh, from, uh, uh, I guess, just last weekend with Jeff Ayers, who wrote the uh, that Star Trek uh, chronology-type book of all the all the novels and all the books and things out there. I, I really enjoyed talking to Jeff. Uh, it's a great book. If you haven't picked it up, Star Trek uh, Voyages of Imagination. That's uh, available in bookstores, Amazon, and everything. So check that out. And then talking to uh, Christian Macht, who uh, I did that over this past week, uh, who did the uh, is doing this uh, Star Wars documentary film, The Force Among Us. Both uh, really great guys to talk to, a lot of fun, and uh, should definitely check out Christian's movie and pre-order it at the uh, theforceamongus.com. Really uh, looks like it's going to be a great film. Okay, I want to talk... Uh, we did uh, get a chance. I wanted to see this before I left town for a couple of weeks. Uh, my sons and some friends went uh, Friday night, opening night, to see Spider-Man 3. And I'm going to just spend a minute or two maybe talking about the movie. Uh, uh, I'd have to say I'm going to try to keep this a very spoiler-free discussion and review. I'm not going to say a lot of specifics about the movie in general, but I'm just going to give you kind of my impressions about uh, about the movie because I think this is uh, – to begin with, I think it's getting a little unfairly uh, kind of uh, and harshly trashed in, in some of the critics, the movie critics, and even some of the people, the fans, and people online talking about the film. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just talk about it for uh, a minute or two. I really enjoyed the film. And I'll have to say, I don't think it's quite, at least for myself, uh, quite up to the other two movies. I still enjoyed it a lot. I, I thought they, uh, they did a good job. The actors were all back, of course. All this you can see in the previews. Uh, they had some cool new villains. Uh, Toby was great as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man again. Kirsten Dunst was great as Mary Jane. They introduced some new characters, uh, you know, primarily the villain-type characters. Uh, it uh, James Franco is back as Harry uh, and uh, Harry Osborn, and he did a great job. Actually, he got he gets quite a bit to do in this movie, so I, I think he did a great job with that. Um, I, I really enjoyed the movie. I, I think uh, they could have made it a little tighter. I, I think they tried to put maybe a little too much into the film. Uh, it's, um, but it, it's a good overall story. They they really, I think, did a great job with it. The effects are just amazing. And this is definitely a movie, if you're into uh, comics and Spider-Man, if you like the other ones and, and that kind of stuff, and action, uh, definitely something you don't want to just wait. I've heard a lot of people saying, oh, I'll just wait to watch it on DVD. I've heard it's not that great. And it's like... You really want to see this movie in the theater. This uh, this movie belongs and, and needs to be seen on a big screen. The just I always am really impressed by all the all the shots of Spider Man swinging around the city. All that kind of stuff is just so breathtaking in the way they do it these days. It's great to see it on the on the on the big screen. I really uh, I really enjoyed it. My kids enjoyed it. They went with me, and it's uh, it's a really great time at the at the movies and a good kickoff to the kind of summer movie season with a lot of big uh, a lot of big movies coming out we got pirates of the caribbean the third one coming out in a few weeks uh shrek 3 uh later in the summer the the next fantastic four movie the harry potter movie so you kind of have to see these things as they as they come up because it's going to be a a jam-packed summer of movies so uh spider-man 3 definitely worth seeing uh the only little issue i probably had with it was the whole thing about and you see this in the previews about them changing around a little bit about uh, the background and story about uh, how Uncle Ben gets killed uh, from the first movie and his his um, the you know kind of the the person who does it they change that a little bit and from the origin of Spider Man they change things around and I just kind of found that part kind of unneeded it really wasn't necessary and I think it kind of changes uh, a lot of the crux of what Spider Man's all about so. Uh, I just wanted to spend a few minutes to talk about that, but it's uh, it's a great movie, still uh, still definitely up there in a, in a fun movie to see. Definitely at the at the theater, go see it at the theater. Rico has the best sci-fi and Star Trek information on the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Well, moving on to other news, in uh, let's talk about a little bit about the Star Trek realm and news. Uh, not a lot really to discuss here. Uh, they're continuing to release the enhanced episodes. The most recent one this past weekend was uh, Tomorrow is Yesterday, with some cool shots of the Enterprise, you know, back in time over Earth in the 1960s uh, with the uh, Air Force pilot uh, being beamed up onto the Enterprise. I really like that episode. That's actually, Tomorrow is Yesterday is probably one of the earliest Star Trek memories, the earliest episodes I ever saw 
of any Star Trek series or, you know, I started out watching the original series in syndication and I can distinctly remember that being one of the first episodes I ever caught of the original series. That one, uh, probably uh, a couple others from the first season like the Carbamite Maneuver, Balance of Terror, uh, some of the classics were, were some of my earliest uh, Star Trek memories. So Tomorrow is Yesterday, a great episode, and, and check it out in the enhanced version. The uh, Star Trek New Voyages people should be very soon putting out the uh, next film in their series, which is featuring George uh, Takai as Sulu. Again, it's called World Enough in Time. You can always find information about them at StarTrekNewVoyages.com. So keep an eye out. That's supposed to be out very soon, sometime I think even this month in May. So so keep an eye out for that. Let's switch gears over to the Star Wars front. Uh, of course, there's a lot of uh, activity this month, May 2007, because we're into the 30th anniversary month for the original Star Wars movie, which first premiered back uh in May of 1977, 30 years ago, it's hard to believe that that much time has gone by. I was actually there when that movie premiered, uh, and it really, you know, sometimes it things seems like it was a long time ago, and other days it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. I really remember seeing it a lot of times that summer when it first came out. It uh, really was a great time at the movies. Uh, I probably, until then, and maybe even since then, uh, I've never really quite, I think, had such a thrilling time at the movies. I don't know, there was something about when that movie came out, and it's obvious from the history now of how much it captured the imagination of uh, of the people in the United States and of the world, I think, so it's, uh, it's really, uh, I hope they really have a great time, everyone that's going to Celebration 4 to celebrate the 30th anniversary. Uh, a lot of cool things going on, a lot of things coming out uh, to purchase. I just ordered off of Amazon the hard, hardcover version of the, the making of Star Wars, where this book is basically uh, a lot of interviews that were all done back in the uh, you know early days of Star Wars when it first premiered and even the year or so leading up to it, the making of uh, the movie. A lot of very cool photographs in here that haven't been seen before. Uh, looks like a great book. Uh, Arnie and Marjorie over at Star Wars Action News talked to the author of the book uh, on a recent podcast of theirs, and I was definitely going to pick up the book, but after they talked to him, I was even more encouraged to uh, to pick up the hardcover edition, too. Very good price on Amazon, and there is extra material in the hardcover edition of this book. So I would strongly suggest if you're a Star Wars fan and you want to pick up uh, this Making of Star Wars book, definitely pick it up uh the hardcover version and like i said amazon has a great price i think it was only like 44 or 45 dollars shipped uh so that's uh, a great deal it's it's only a few dollars more than the soft cover edition is when you go to the bookstore at borders so don't buy it at the bookstore buy it online you can get you can save money and, and buy almost the same book but the hardcover edition off of like amazon so check that out and i also just ordered the uh Master Replica's Stormtrooper helmet, as seen in the first uh, Star Wars films, which uh, they just put on sale, I guess it was about a week or so ago, which I don't think it's coming out until probably fall. It depends. You know, those things with Master Replicas, you do these pre-orders, and they don't usually release the items for several months. And they've kind of had some difficulties with doing helmets in the past, so we'll see how this one works out. I'm I'm hoping it'll uh, they'll do a good job uh, on it. And Probably the uh, Stormtrooper helmet is probably one of the most copied and handcrafted uh, by all the fans out there over the years pieces. And I, this this helmet in, in particular, this particular prop, has probably been studied. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, Darth Vader's helmet is probably the next. Uh, they're both up there as far as how many of the people that are really into Star Wars and the fans that have created their own replicas have studied these pieces. So this thing's going to be... Uh, scrutinized with a magnifying glass but uh, you know i just want a nice uh stormtrooper helmet i'm not uh at least for those particular pieces i'm not all that you know if it's just a centimeter off here or, you know well a centimeter would probably be noticeable i should say a millimeter off here i'm not going to be uh have a problem with it as long as it looks great so which i'm sure it will and i think that just about covers all the news and events and items that i wanted to get to i'm still of course watching uh, all the cool tv the stargate shows are, are back and have been good i uh painkiller jane on sci-fi fridays i'm kind of not too thrilled with it's okay but it's kind of uh they definitely don't have the budget the acting is so so the stories they're okay but a lot of it i feel like is sort of i've seen before 
Some of the storylines are really not that fresh or new, but I'll probably keep watching. Uh, Heroes is just great. It just continues to be a great show. Uh, I definitely urge everyone, if you haven't seen it, uh, check it out. Hopefully they'll release a nice DVD uh, season one set over the summer for people who haven't had a chance to catch up uh, so they can over the summer before next season. So that's uh, that's a very cool show, and I'm really enjoying that. Uh, I'm going to take a short break here, and I'm going to play for you a, uh, a promo for the RPG game on the Trex and Sci-Fi forums. Uh, this is where we basically created our own little starship, our own little crew, and have uh, sort of an online written adventure uh, thing going in the forums. And it's a lot of fun. Check it out. Uh, it's definitely worthwhile, and people have some very vivid imaginations. And this was put together by uh, the Moyers, so I'll let you uh, listen to them about the Star Trek RPG game on the Trex and Sci forums. Peter spoke quietly as he advanced from the far side of the room. I'm picking up bio-signs in the west wing of the complex. The Vulcan nodded and signaled for Peters to wait before advancing. She gazed across the vast space within the compound in search of the doctor. She could barely make out his shadowy figure from her location on the opposite side of the room. His search for life amongst the multitude of motionless forms had taken him to the far side of the complex. Several tapped her comm badge and informed him of the security's chief discovery. She made an annoyed sound within the privacy of her own mind. They do not want to jeopardize the safety of the away team. The utmost care should be taken in her investigation. Please meet us at these coordinates. We'll wait for you and Ensign Manrique before investigating further. On my way, he replied. As Dr. Peterson and Ensign Manrique ran across the obstacle course of debris and dead, two energy discharges struck them both in the back. The two crew members abruptly plunged to the cold stone floor. Though conscious, they were unable to move a single appendage to defend themselves from the unseen aggressors. The doctor's eyes met Manrique's. His gaze was stubborn and angry as he shifted in the direction of the way team. Through the gloom, Manrique could see the Tiberius and Klingon away teams progressing towards them, firing at the attackers. Beams of energy crisscrossed the darkened war zone, illuminating its once obscure contents. The anonymous aggressors provided cover for two of their own as they grabbed the paralyzed Starfleet officers and hauled them into a nearway corridor. With their hostages in tow, the shadowy assailants disappeared within the multitude of the dark passageways inside the immense complex. In an instant, they transported off the surface of Altair Three, leaving the winded away teams behind in frustration. I awoke in what was little more than a small empty room bare of the normal tapestries that one would expect to find. It looks as if this is a makeshift cell and it was put together at the last moment. I could hear the muffled sound of voices, but could not make out what was being said. Although groggy from being hit with a beam weapon, I was otherwise uninjured. I still had my medical equipment with me and managed to modify my comm badge to that of a homing beacon and hoped that the Tiberius and the commander would check all hailing frequencies once they knew that I'd beamed off the planet. All I could do now was wait and see what my captors wanted with me and hope that my career in Starfleet would not come to an abrupt end. Quinn yelled, Shields up! and quickly pressed his comm badge. All hands brace for impact! I repeat, all hands brace for impact! The ship shook back and forth. Quinn fell to the floor, but quickly regained his footing. Photons, full spread, Quinn yelled. Lieutenant Nagumo turned to Quinn. Sir, uh, they're pulling back. Should we pursue? Stand by, Lieutenant. Quinn pressed his comm badge. Number one, what is the status of your away team? Several's voice could be heard. Captain, the aggressors just beamed away, and they took Dr. Peterson and Ensign Manrique with them. What? Quinn announced. Stand by. We're going to beam you back. Transporter room, beam the away team directly to the bridge. A few seconds later, the away team appeared on the bridge. Helm, set a pursuit course. Quinn turns to several. Where are the Klingons? Hi there, this is Rick from the www.treksandsci-fi.com forums, and uh, what you just heard was some great, exciting science fiction written by fans of Star Trek. It's our RPG game that we have on the forum, and it is just a blast. I really want to um, 
invite you to come and be part of it. We have a great group of people that really get along well and have a great time talking about science fiction and creating stories. And we'd love to have you be part of it, too. Would you join us? Check us out at www.treksandsci-fi.com. Click on the forums and join the RPG game. Take a, take a read of what's been going on. We're having a great time, and we'd love to have you join us. Well, wasn't that great, everyone? Uh, thanks a lot, to Rick, for putting all that together uh, about the uh, what's been going on on the RPG game on the Treks and Sci-Fi forums, the Adventures of the Starship Tiberius. Yes, we have named the uh, ship, uh, took kind of a vote uh, early on when this all got started of uh, different starship names, and we named it the USS Tiberius. Uh, primarily, obviously, that's uh, Captain uh, James T. Kirk's middle name. So in uh, in any case, as you can see from what Rick went through there, the writing that these uh, people are doing on the forums, the fans and, and, and my friends uh, there, is really superb. These people have very vivid imaginations. They've all, basically you create your own little character and you, you get to play them and role play them in the uh, Star Trek universe on our own little ship of uh, the Tiberius and adventures that they go on. So it's uh, it's a great time. Definitely check it out. Go to either treksinsci-fi.com or just treksf.com. Both of those uh, URLs get you to my website and um, click on the forums, sign up. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention that I haven't really done that much yet is I started to sound out a weekly kind of newsletter after I do the podcast about what's on the show and things. And the people that I've been using for that, uh, the email list, come from people that are on the Treks in Sci-Fi forums. Those are the only email addresses of people that uh, I know that listen to the podcast each week. So if you want to get this uh, newsletter, which gives you information about what's on the current podcast and things like that, uh, definitely sign up on the forums and you will be getting this newsletter each week. So that's uh, that's all I wanted to say on that subject. Thanks again, Rick, to, do, to putting all that together. Great job with the effects and the music. Really sounded cool. I I was uh, very caught up in the story as you, as you went through it. So uh, definitely good times. Uh, we're going to now switch uh, gears, which is one of my favorite phrases. Oh, I have to say, I'm drinking orange Gatorade today, so that's the Gatorade flavor of the of the day. Anyway, I'm going to switch gears, talk about um, what I think is is probably one of the most underappreciated Star Trek series, and I, and I've tried to cover it a few times on the podcast. Enterprise. The episode we're going to be looking at is from the first season, or sorry, the first episode of the third season which uh, is called, the name of the episode is called The Zindi. For those familiar with Enterprise, uh, if you'll recall at the end of Season 2, they decided that they kind of did a little bit of an experiment. There was an alien probe that uh, made its way to Earth and blasted like the the, an area in Florida primarily and killed uh, lots of people, thousands of people. Uh, Trip uh, Commander Tucker, Trip the engineer on Enterprise, uh, his sister died in the attack. And this alien probe uh, then subsequently crashes onto Earth, and they learn a little bit about what's going on and and where it came from. They kind of track it, and there's an area of the galaxy that hasn't even been very explored called the Expanse um, that they send the Enterprise. Its new mission basically is to, to go out into this area of space and find out, you know, who launched this probe and basically stop them, because they uh, they're anticipating um, that there could be further attacks, and they really they got to find out what's going on. So, what that set up for for Enterprise is the the whole third season basically of Enterprise became a a, a season long story arc of the Enterprise going into this uncharted area of space and trying to find out what the deal is with the Zindi how to stop them, what's going on, and so forth. Uh, I really like this idea. You know, the Deep Space Nine had done a lot of uh, very long story arcs with the whole uh, war with the um, the shapeshifters, and they had, you know, conflicts with the Cardassians and the Klingons and a lot of different things over the seasons and created a, a lot of great stories over, uh, over the uh, seven years they were on. And Enterprise decided to sort of jazz things up, I, I call it, uh, kind of up the action level a little bit and and do this for the third season. And they made a few other little minor changes, too. Uh, it started to be called, when the when the show first came on, it was called just simply Enterprise. 
and they decided to redub it and rename it Star Trek Enterprise at this point. And they also changed the theme song, which I played at the beginning of the podcast for you today. They kind of uh, they made it a little bit more uh, jazzed up. I'll use that expression again. A little bit more, uh, uh, not just so much of a ballad, but they kind of, uh, I call it, they kind of rock and roll it just a little bit. And I thought that theme song was it was a cool idea. It, it was uh, it was different. That you know, I'm always for for people trying things different and new in TV, movies, and that. Uh, you, you you run the risk of some people not liking it, which I know there are people that never like that Enterprise theme song. But you also are at least you're taking something, you're taking some chances and doing something new and different uh, rather than the same old thing. Which you know people will complain either way. They'll complain that you're you're changing things, and then they'll complain that you know for people who don't change things, like they're you know this movie sequels, people will complain that they're just doing the same thing again and again. And then you're always going to have another group that's going to complain if they try something new. So it's kind of always a can't-win situation. But I always enjoy things when when people take chances and try new and different things. So I think uh, Enterprise for doing a uh, theme song with it with a vocal like that uh, was a good risk. And I, I really I've always been kind of inspired by that song. I thought they, that it was a very cool song that they did. I don't want to uh, talk too much more. We're into almost a half hour on the podcast. Let's get into the main uh, episode here, the Zindi. I'm going to first play the clip I'm going to play to begin with is a sort of an up, up, uh, bring you up to speed kind of thing. This this aired at the very beginning of the episode, the Zindi, which was, the, again, the first episode of the third season. And this was to bring viewers who may not have seen the end of season two up to speed on what was going on and, and this probe that attacked Earth and all that. So I'll play that clip for you right now. Last time on Enterprise. There's been an attack on Earth. We've been recalled. The probe was sent by the Zindi. They learned that their world would be destroyed by humans in 400 years. Is there going to be some kind of service? My sister wasn't big on memorials. She was no more important than any of them. She was more important to you. There's nothing wrong with admitting that. Are you suggesting this is a Zindi? I sure as hell like to find out. You're to return to Vulcan. I believe that should be my decision. We received a distress call. Every crewman on board had been anatomically inverted. Their bodies splayed open, and they were still alive. I want to remain aboard Enterprise. I've decided to resign my commission. You think you'll be comfortable with the military on board? I don't have a problem with non-Starfleet personnel. I'm going to need all the muscle I can get when we cross into the Expanse. I can't wait to get in there, Captain. Find the people who did this. Tell me we won't be tiptoeing around. None of that non-interference crap to Paul's always shoving down our throats. We'll do what we have to, Trip. So you can hear, uh, for those maybe who aren't completely familiar with this, you can hear this is a sort of a... A lot rougher version of Star Trek and Enterprise than we had seen before up until this point. Uh, Archer becomes, uh, throughout the third season, uh, and even at the very beginning here, pretty uh, unsympathetic, uh, a little rough with the crew. Uh, he's uh, he's basically got the, we've got to do whatever we've got to do to find out what's going on and how to stop this situation. So it's, uh, it's a different thing. Again, like I was saying earlier, it, it, they took some risks here, and I, I think it kind of pays off. I, I, I really think they, uh, they created a good, long uh, season story arc, and this was a good start to it. Uh, as you learn through this episode, the Zindi are made up of uh, multiple different species, uh, which look quite a bit different. You know, their, their home world is basically, uh, you know, sort of has an ocean species that's very intelligent, has a reptilian-type one that looks like a giant... Uh, I don't know, praying mantis thing. They've got uh, uh, something that looks almost like an ape-like uh, person, something that looks very human-like, uh, and all these are very intelligent, and they have this sort of uh, council, like this war council that you see throughout the season that's discussing Enterprise and what's going on with the uh, the large, uh, the, the small probe that they first launched against Earth was kind of a test, and, and then they're creating sort of a very mega-large version, I'll call it the... Uh, like when you go to the uh, fast food places, the mega size version of the uh, of the probe to uh, to take out Earth. Because as the, you heard in that uh, preview clip, the reason they're doing this and it's kind of bizarre. Uh, the the Zindi have somehow found out and discovered that in the future, like 400 years in the future, 
that Earth uh, and humans uh, attack and destroy their their world, and they're sort of creating or doing a uh, like a preemptive strike by attacking Earth now before this can happen. And uh, you know that's an interesting little thing. I remember that movie. Uh, what was that movie with Tom Cruise where they could see? future events uh the name of it's escaping me right now uh not that important on the name but basically it was said in the future and they had these precog type uh people that could see the future and they would be able to pick up that somebody was going to you know commit a murder and they would basically arrest and go after these people uh, before they could do it uh sort of stop the crime before it could happen and you know there's there's this uh you know well if it hasn't happened yet are you are you absolutely sure it will happen? You know, and, and the, the Zindi are doing the same thing here. Hundreds of years from now, they, they, they have uh, knowledge that the Earth will attack them and destroy them. So they're saying, hey, we're going to get rid of you first. And that, that's an interesting kind of paradox. I don't, I don't see that it's really justified. You know, anything can happen in the future, even if you have some way of viewing it. Uh, it's always kind of in motion and things can change. Even almost the knowledge of knowing something of the future could possibly change it so it's uh you know time travel and that kind of stuff is always a little tricky to do in tv and movies and and it's uh they're doing it in the tv show heroes right now and i think they're doing a pretty good job of it there but you you set up some very uh, well difficult situations and, and you kind of paint yourself into a little bit of a corner but uh but anyway let's move on with the episode the next clip is i think this is also near the beginning of the show this is with uh, archer uh talking about the situation i think that it's in their sort of They've created this sort of uh, war room kind of uh, place on the Enterprise to try to gather all the information they have on the Zindi and and come up with ideas and plans. So I think this is in there, and he kind of is uh, uh, Malcolm, the the weapons officer, tactical officer. He's he's sort of reading him the riot act because Malcolm is uh, he's not too keen on the way things are going. So listen to the clip. Figure out who's trying to destroy Earth. Right. Six weeks. We've been in this expanse for six weeks. What data have we gathered? What pieces of the puzzle have we started to put together? Not a single one. We don't have the luxury of being safe or cautious anymore. And if the only lead we can find comes from a freighter captain of questionable character, then that's good enough for me. Understood. Yeah, like I had said, this is the uh, the the tough guy, Captain Archer. You know, he's always been uh, probably a little more friendly with his crew than than maybe other captains had been in other Star Trek shows. And he's almost uh, it's like he's he's Captain uh, what was that guy, uh, Captain Queeg? Is that in uh, Moby Dick? Is that what that was from or, or whatever? Cap- that was Captain Ahab, wasn't it? Queeg uh, is uh, a different story, but anyway, you know what I mean. Uh, uh, that's uh, Minority Report. Oh, that just sprung into my mind. That's the movie I was talking about with Tom Cruise, Minority Report. Cool movie, uh, by the way, about the being able to see future crimes and and then stopping those things. Of course, uh, one thing he eventually sees is related to himself. So, cool movie. If you haven't seen that, check that out. Sorry, I digress there for a second. Uh, so, again, this, uh, this is a, a Captain Archer that's a lot tougher. Scott Bakula there, I think, is doing a good job. They even gave him this little short haircut for this season, you know, he doesn't have the very clean-cut Starfleet look anymore. It's like he's just, uh, he's got the lean kind of military uh, look to him. And they changed to Paul's look a little bit uh, for this season as well. She's she's basically uh, turned her back on Vulcan and uh, given up her commission in, in, in the Vulcan, uh, whatever you call it. Uh, it's not really Vulcan military, Vulcan science, I think, area that she's in. Uh, but whatever, her... Uh, her sub-commander ranking and her position with Vulcan is gone now, and she's now joined up with Archer to, to help them out there, which, uh, of course, that's a good thing. And that kind of leads into the next clip, which there's a story that's going on or goes on through this season as well. Uh, Trip, uh, who's the engineer, uh, played by Connor Chenier, one of, the, one of the really, I think, one of my favorite characters and actors on Enterprise, he's having a real hard time. His sister was killed in the Zindi attack. And he's been having trouble sleeping. He keeps having these nightmares about her being killed in this attack. And Dr. Phlox, uh, who's the Denobulan doctor on the Enterprise, decides that T'Pol has these Vulcan techniques and uh, neuropressure, they call it, to uh, help relieve stress, strain, help people sleep, those kind of things. And 
the doctor suggests to to Paul to help Trip with his difficulties because basically he's just uh, going to the doctor each night to get some drugs to help him sleep, and that's not a good situation. It's uh, it can't really continue. So she, so he kind of talks to uh, to Paul about helping Trip out, and and this creates and and eventually leads to the sort of Trip to Paul romance that happens on Enterprise. So. That's the the start of it a little bit here. So here's uh, the doctor trying to convince T'Pol to help Trip out. I believe the commander would be a fine candidate for Vulcan neuropressure. I doubt the commander would have the patience to sit in one place long enough to get through the first posture. I'm certain with your delicate guidance... Delicate is not a word I associate with Mr. Tucker. The instruction of neuropressure is a very intimate act. And he suffered a very intimate loss. He needs your help. Have him come to my quarters. There's, um, one little problem. Assuming that you'd agree to my request, I suggested all of this to Commander Tucker earlier today. He was less than enthusiastic. I don't understand. Perhaps if I could get him to go to your quarters, you might be able to convince him of the lasting benefits of Vulcan neuropressure. Yeah, there will be some other uh, clips related to that later in the near, a longer one near the end uh, about that situation, some more with Trip and T'Pol. And uh, I thought it was a pretty cool idea that they got them together. Uh, it was a sort of an opposites attract situation. Uh, Trip, uh, probably the most uh, emotional, the most human aboard the Enterprise, and, and T'Pol uh, putting those two together was kind of like oil and water a little bit, but uh, I think they did a good job. Uh, I like both of those actors as well, too. Anyway, the uh, moving on in the story, uh, the Enterprise discovers that there's this mining colony planetoid planet out there that's uh, possibly got a, a Zindi on their uh, their planet, and they might be able to get some information about where their home world is and, and things like that. So they go to this mining colony. I believe, yeah, it's Archer and uh, Trip that go down there originally, and then they're uh, trying to uh, find out about this prisoner and talk to him, and they're dealing with uh, uh, first this sort of um, commander, I don't know what you call it, the the the, the warden of this uh, prison place. Well, it's not really a prison place, prison place say that three times it's not really a prison it's a mining colony except they discover slowly that the the people they're working aren't really there of their own free will they're basically prisoners and kind of constrict conscripted into a service so here's a scene when they finally hook up with the the zindi guy and trying to get some info out of him what do you want there's zindi nine fingered zindi what do you want where's your home world you came all the way to this hideous planet, bribed the foreman to see me, for what? Directions to my planet? I find that hard to believe. You have important business with your people. But you don't know where to find them? Well, if you want information, you're going to have to help me escape from this place. What do you mean, escape? <laughs> do these look like volunteers? We're captives. Slaves! simple set of coordinates. That's all I want. I'm prepared to pay you. The only payment I'm interested in is my freedom. If you can't provide me with that, stop wasting my time! I don't know what you're doing in this place, and I don't particularly care. But we didn't come here to stage a prison break. So why don't you just give us the coordinates, and we'll all stop wasting each other's time? None of you get me off this planet! You know, I'm not sure why, but I'm just itching to kick the hell out of you. Trip. Take it easy. Yeah, and as you can hear there, Trip uh, Tucker is not very uh, happy with the Zindi guy. He's obviously blaming uh, anybody he runs into that's uh, related to the Zindi uh, to uh, blame them for his sister's death, and it's really hit him hard, and uh, it's a hard thing for him to get through. That's why he has to go to T'Pol eventually and all that, so. The other change that they did for this year, and they talked about that a little earlier, one of the first clips was they, they brought out these, uh, this military uh, command uh, group aboard, the Makos, they called them. They were like, uh, they kind of reminded me of the Marine types in the second Aliens movie, and Aliens, uh, they're sort of gung-ho, uh, military trained uh, in combat. Uh, they're, they're basically, uh, they're Marines, they're space Marines, 
and they come a group of them come aboard Enterprise to deal with some of these difficult situations where diplomacy and talking doesn't really get the job done. They need to go in and fight their way in or fight their way out. And eventually um, Archer and Trip get captured there on the planet and they have to send a team down to try to rescue them. The, they're not uh, they're not always uh, not everyone aboard Enterprise is too happy about them being there and uh, Malcolm especially their their regular uh, security tactical guy in Enterprise kind of resents this this uh, major Hayes guy uh, who's uh, who's leading the Makos he resents him he's kind of like thinking he's trying to take over his area and it doesn't sit too well with Malcolm but eventually they come to an agreement as the the episodes go on and and work together pretty well. So they go off on and trying uh, to rescue them. And the next clip, though, that I want to play is related to uh, they're again talking to the prisoner, and he talks about the different species of Zindi. And this is kind of an important point. And I already kind of talked about it, but I'll let him say uh, what he has to say as well. Because you say you have important business with my people? Which species? Have you ever even met a Zindi before today? One. And he didn't look very much like you. Not all of them do. There are five distinct species of Zindi. And five distinct opinions on which one is dominant. What was that? That sounded an awful lot like those emergency baffles we opened. Why would they open the rest? You must help us get... few scenes here on this planet uh it was all full of this blue green kind of dust that they were mining and they get all this goo all over them uh throughout their uh they're trying to crawl through these uh plasma shafts like you heard in that clip and uh pretty cool uh scenes uh nice uh set uh that they created for this show uh it's uh they did a good job with it uh eventually of course they make it off the the zindi of course though and of all the people that are trying to get away he gets shot, and uh, he's hurt pretty badly. They get him on a shuttle pod and get back up to Enterprise and take off. So uh, the next clip is related to their escape uh, from the planet. Captain Starlog Supplemental. The three alien warships followed Enterprise for nearly an hour, but couldn't keep up with us. I guess they'll have to look elsewhere for new additions to their labor force. Come in. I'm terribly sorry, Captain, but there was nothing I could do. I realize how important it would have been to have a Zindi to help us. He wasn't a particularly helpful Zindi, Doctor. You'd be surprised. It was extremely difficult and painful for him to speak, but he managed to dictate this to me before he died. He said you'd know what it meant. I'll be damned. They're the coordinates. So now they have these coordinates for the Zindi homeworld, or what they think is, and they head towards that area. The next clip I'm going to play for you is, this one's kind of long, uh, a little more than two minutes, uh, two and a half minutes or so, but it's kind of an important one. This is the scene with Trip and T'Pol and the Vulcan neuropressure thing, but I think there's a, a, some good relationship stuff here between the two of them, and uh, I enjoyed this scene, so I'm going to play the whole thing uh, for you. Like I said, it's about two and a half minutes, so listen to this. Vulcan science teaches us to prompt our bodies to create their own medicines. So, why are you still having trouble sleeping? The neural nodes that need to be stimulated are difficult to reach. Hmm. Perhaps you could help me. I, I don't really know if I can... Three centimeters on either side of the fifth vertebrae. 
you can apply considerable pressure. I'm not sure which of these is... Uh... Right there. Right here? A little closer together. Harder. Harder. If I push any harder, I'll knock you over. Just like that. Please continue. That was far more effective than I hope was spray. Glad to be of assistance. It would be only fair for me to return the favor. Please disrobe. <laughs> I'm really flattered, Subcommander. And and don't think under different circumstances. I I wouldn't jump at the chance. To Are you to... implying I'm making sexual advances? No. 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 Not at all. I I was just. You see, the doctor gave me this sedative, and I think it's starting to work. The doctor injected you with a placebo. He sent you here because he wanted me to persuade you to try Vulcan neural pressure. As I predicted, it was a pointless exercise. Why didn't he just ask me? He did. You refused. So this whole thing was just a setup. The doctor knows how intransigent you can be. Intransigent? Unwilling to compromise. I know what it means. But it just so happens it's not true. I'm as willing to compromise as anyone else. Then take off your shirt. <laughs> take off your shirt, Paul says. Which, of course, he does. And that starts out their uh, little neuropressure sessions uh, over the course of this season. It's... Uh, you know, some people thought this was a little maybe gratuitous, uh, you know, especially since DePaul and the actress uh, Jolene Blaylock, uh, who plays her, is uh, fairly attractive. So, but, you know, I guess it's probably true. There is some of the, you know, there is some of, uh, you know, sexuality and a little blatantness of, of what they're showing here in this scene and in other episodes throughout the season. But, you know, it's it's the year uh, when this was on. It's, it's a lot... Uh, you know, I guess it's a sign at the times a little bit on what they try to do on television these days, try to push the envelope a little, but uh, I still think it was pretty good. She's trying to help him with his loss, and it does help him eventually as well, uh, dealing with his sister Elizabeth's death by the uh, Zindi probe. So uh, let's move on to the episode. The next scene is when uh, they reach these coordinates that the uh, dying Zindi gave them, and they find this big debris field. Uh, looks like they're a little out of luck, so listen to this clip. A ship... It's a lot bigger than that. Put it up. It's nearly 80 million kilometers long. It was a planet. Move us in closer. How long ago did this happen? Judging by the field dispersion, approximately 120 years. I'm pretty sure there was a population here, Captain. I'm picking up refined metals and traces of alloys. Some of them match the hull of the Zindi probe. They're building a weapon. Planning to annihilate Earth because they think we're going to destroy their world in 400 years. How is that possible if their world doesn't exist anymore? Hasn't existed for decades. We know the probe that attacked Earth was built somewhere in this expanse, and it was built recently. It's logical to assume the new weapon is being developed at the same location. But if it's not here... Prepare to go to warp four. What course, sir? Deeper into the expanse. Long-range sensors are showing increasing numbers of spatial distortions. You heard me, Travis. So 
So uh, basically, this didn't help them a lot. They learned a little bit more. They learned about the different species of the Zindi. They learned uh, that this planet that they maybe used to be on is gone now, but they're moving deeper into the expanse. There's these weird spatial anomalies uh, that create uh, problems on the ship and even for the crew that they slowly run into in this season. Lots of good stuff. I'm sure I'll be covering other episodes from the third season of Enterprise. I got one last clip to play. This is with the... uh, the Zindi, uh, I'll call them the Zindi Council, uh, talking about Enterprise a little bit. And, and some of the this stuff won't come through because the little reptilian guys that speak in this clip are all subtitled. They're speaking in these clicks and weird noises. and uh, But you get the basic idea. Uh, they're having a little dispute about who wants to destroy Enterprise right now and who wants to wait and see to try to learn more about the humans and that. Uh, it's... Um, it's a good clip, and I think it'll uh, round out the episodes. This is the last one, last clip for the Zindi. They scanned the debris and left nearly three hours ago. They're heading? Toward the Orison distortion field. <laughs> then it's unlikely they'll survive. If they are the first wave of an invasion, it would be best for us to remain hidden. Let them keep searching. the episode yeah that little clicks and stuff at the end there the insectoid type zindi uh, really wants to destroy enterprise they're probably the most uh, military uh militaristic military <laughs> oh, i can't speak militaristic of the zindi people or the different races and species there so so that's the episode uh third season uh really i think a, a good season the first episode starts it off pretty strong and uh it was one that I've been wanting to cover for a while uh, this season of Enterprise. So I hope you enjoyed that look. Going to take a very short break. Be back with a collectible review. Hey, everyone. This is Scott Johnson from the Extra Life Radio Show. You're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi with my friend Rico. Okay, the collectible I would like to talk about uh, this week, I haven't talked about any collectibles recently, but this one I got a few weeks ago. It is uh, made by Gentle Giant. It's a Star Wars item. It's a Star Wars statue. Gentle Giant's been producing some animated-type versions of some of the original Star Wars characters, Princess Leia, uh, Luke Skywalker, C-3PO, and Boba Fett, and... They also did some limited edition ones that were done in a, in a black and white look where they just used blacks and white uh, paint and grays and shades of, you know, shades of gray, uh, no color, just black and white uh, sort of monochrome versions of these statues. I think each of these were limited to 500, uh, and they were the same statues as the color versions of the animated uh, statues. Each one's about, you know, maybe about 9 or so inches tall, give or take 9, 10 inches tall. Uh, but then they did a limited edition, the black and white, and they did a raffle uh, uh, for uh, these, and I won the uh, Boba Fett version. Uh, You still had to pay for it, so don't think anyone I got it for free. The raffle was basically to see if you would be able to purchase one of the limited edition black and white uh, versions. So anyway, the the one I'm talking about is the Boba Fett. Uh, I didn't have the color version of it, uh, so that was good. Uh, I didn't really want to have both versions. Uh, You know, it's it's nice. I'm not really a completist when it comes to uh, a lot of these kind of things. Uh, so I already had the Princess Leia, uh, Gentle Giant animated uh, statue. I had the Darth Vader one, which is already mostly in black anyway. But the the Boba Fett I didn't have yet. And it's a very cool uh, statue in general. Not just to mention that this is a more limited edition version I got in black and white and gray. Uh, but he's in kind of an action pose, handing, uh, holding out his blaster... Uh, the sculpt is very good. It's a, it's a pretty good paint job. Uh, there's been a little, you know, a few issues with some of these animated statues for Gentle Giant, and and the and the paint paint uh, has been maybe not as accurate and as careful as it could have been. Uh, you know, it, it depends a little bit about the particular statue that you get. 
there is some variety. These things are kind of uh, hand painted. They're not they're not uh, mass uh, you know machine painted. You know, there's a, some people over in China somewhere on a little assembly line making these things. But the black and white ones, uh, I think maybe they did a little nicer job just because there was a more limited edition and versions of these. Not as many were made, so uh, I think they did a real nice job. And this is a cool piece. I'll have some pictures in the collection gallery, which will give you a better idea what it looks like. And uh, the nice thing about these two for Gentle Giant and the and these statues, I think the price point is not that bad. These things are only in the, you know, under just a little under a hundred, about eighty, ninety dollars each. Uh, not super expensive. You know, they have the premium format statues, sideshow toys that they do those for some of the Star Wars characters. They just did a, a Princess Leia. They've done a Han Solo, a Luke Skywalker, and they're great statues. They're amazing. And they're big. They're about you know eighteen twenty inches tall, but they're very expensive. They're in the two fifty three hundred dollar range or so, and uh, I think even maybe up to three fifty. Um, they did Darth Vader as well, but you know a lot a lot larger statue for sideshow. Very very nice uh, pieces, but very big, hard to uh, display in store sometimes, and and you know about maybe three times, two to three times the price of these gentle giant ones. So uh, for different people, different. Different people have different amounts of money to spend on this kind of stuff. So, anyway, Gentle Giant, uh, very good stuff. Uh, you can always find them at, I think the URL is gentlegiantltd.com to find out what they've got uh, up for sale. And they're always releasing new things, and they sell out pretty quickly. A lot of the stuff you have to look for on eBay, uh, especially the black and white ones, which were, like I said, a limited edition raffle to get those. So, you could never really directly buy them off of their website. So... I think they were first released. I think that the the majority of them were released. I think half of the 500 were released in Japan, I believe, somewhere in Asia. And then the rest were uh, raffled off to, you had to be part of the Collector Society for Gentle Giant to be uh, eligible for the raffle as well. So, And, of course, I'm, I'm in that Collector Society just like Master Replicas because I'm a collector and I love, love this stuff. So check out the pictures. It's a good piece. And, uh, well, folks, I think that's just going to about wrap it up for Podcast 120. Uh, Like I said earlier in the show, next weekend is going to be a special guest podcast. Uh, uh, Actually, it's going to be, uh, just to give you a little preview, it's going to be two two people talking on the podcast. And uh, I'm going to just create a very little uh, quick intro for the show, but it'll be basically those two talking during the the podcast. And I think you're going to really enjoy it. And then I'll be back in... Uh, two weeks when I'm back from my trip to Taiwan. Uh, I hope it goes well. I, I've been there. I was there last summer, so it's uh, it's it does help to know where you're going and what you're going to be dealing with. It's rather warm over there, even already right now, in the uh, mid to upper 80s uh, with a fair amount of humidity. But uh, hopefully, I'll be able to help out this uh, this company and get some business going with them with my company. So. Uh, Yes, Rico does have a day job, which helps pay for all this stuff that he buys <laughs> and other things like food and college educations and, and things. My son is home from college, actually, fin- just finished up his first year at uh, at college and, and did well. So I'm glad uh, glad he's home uh, for the summer, and uh, it's kind of nice that he'll be home, too, when I'm out of town. So that's it, everyone. Uh, take care of yourselves. I will try to, uh, just so you know, on the main treksf.com website... Uh, there's a Flickr account there. Over the next week or two, I'll be trying to post some pictures from Taiwan there, also on the main website and as well on the forums. And sign up on the forums if you haven't. Uh, we have a really great group of people there. And like I said, you can get the newsletter for the podcast, do the RPG game, uh, lots of fun things going on there. So uh, definitely, uh, if you really are a, a fan of the podcast, you definitely should check out the Treks and Sci-Fi forums. So until next time, oh, one last thing I haven't mentioned in a long time, probably the, the email address. You can always contact me at treksf at gmail.com. There's a voicemail at 20688-TREX. So those are the contacts for the show and for me. So until I talk to you again, I will uh, be flying the friendly skies, as they say. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye for now. This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. You said don't talk fast, so that's how you show excitement. All right, talk a little faster. Okay. This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production.
This podcast, copyright 2007, all rights reserved.